And welcome in to another edition of 30 Rack of Sports. Back from a two-week hiatus, it is Monday, June 14th, and we've got a big baseball show coming back, Josh. Talking a little bit about the farewell game for the crew. Also talking some uh, sporting formats. Uh, unfortunately, Zach, not with us uh, today. You know, still taking his vacation. Two weeks wasn't enough for him. Uh, so hopefully he enjoys his uh, week off again. Hope he, to have him back next week. He's a man of leisure, Greg. A oh, man of leisure. Cool. Look, a guy who, who, taking it easy, he takes to a new level. <laughs> but, of course, the hardest working man on the podcast, man on the ones and twos, Josh. How was the vacation? How was, how was the two weeks off? It was great, man. It's uh, it's great to be back, though, you know, recharged. I think you and I are still, as we were talking, still, you know, getting the cobwebs out. We might be a little rusty as we talk some baseball, but the important thing is we're talking some baseball. Talking some baseball. Also, have a nice beer coming up here. Uh, so I guess the first question for the intro, uh, we were talking about this before the show. Uh, we both enjoyed some... Uh, some craft breweries outside of the state of Ohio. And of course, oh, yeah. we'll get to all the wonderful ones. You know, no state comes close to Ohio as far as craft brewing. But uh, favorite brewery that you went to on vacation? Oh, man. Um, I, th- I think it's got to be the Mackay Brewing uh, in Ocean Isle Beach, North Carolina. Uh, just a, a very relaxed, uh, easygoing brewery with a uh, with a deli. Greg, more breweries should have Ooh. delis attached to them. Uh, but awesome place, a lot of good beers. Um, one thing I noticed, Greg, and I think you brought this up, there are a lot of uh, dark lagers at the breweries I went to further south. A lot of dark lagers. Uh, mine actually did not have as many dark lagers. Did have the the IPAs, but actually. Had quite the uh, selection, like 18 beers on tap, a couple sours, a couple Berliner Weisses. There you, you go, know, some variety. That. Yeah, You know, I love that. What was it? The Pink Porch, I believe, the uh, like lemonade Berliner Weiss. It was Idle Hounds Brewing down in Santa Rosa Beach, Florida, kind of out in that Panama <laughs> City Destin area. What's so, it called, Pink Porch? Uh, it is called... Uh, let's see. Let me, let, me, let me get this for you specifically, but uh, it was... One of their many Berliner Weisses. That just sounds, uh, that sounds extremely refreshing. Yeah, I, I believe it was called Pink Porch, and it had a wonderful just, I mean, they have a guava beer, they have a spring break beer, they have literally everything you could think of. Oh, uh, no, sorry, it was called Little Pink Houses. Little Pink Houses, man, that's almost even better. That's just, you know that's going to be a refreshing beverage when yeah. you, when you hear a name like that. I mean, it, it had that, you know, that little, like, uh, what, it says strawberry, raspberry, and pineapple, so that little, like, strawberry lemonade flavor, that sour Berliner Weiss mm. flavor, just a lot of very good beers all around. So uh, if you happen to be down in that Panama City Beach uh, area, cannot, you know... Uh, Get yourself some little pink houses. Yeah, cannot request it enough. Uh but the one thing is, it, it was a little bit difficult to find. The signing, not quite as, yeah, not quite as big as <laughs> yeah, I some. Some of them down there in the in the tropics, you really gotta. Is that a brewery? They're not as a, uh, as a uh, you know, classic, traditional as some of the breweries we have here. And speaking of uh, traditional, Greg, we're going back to the basics this week, I believe, with our beer. Yeah, you know, um, uh, us of course as a podcast. Um, as we've shown time and time again, 
Uh, preparedness is our strong suit. I definitely did not find a beer yesterday. No. Uh, so we're we're sticking in Cincinnati. Uh, we may have one of our you know one of our regular beers coming up, but from a place that doesn't yeah. just do beer. Yeah, that's a place that I don't think you know we've had you know brewery brewing com- brewing company brewing co. Just uh, brewers, you yeah. Know, the way people tagline city their brewery. brewings. We've had brew places, works. Yeah, we've had breweries from cities, from uh, census locations like hey, Fresno, yeah. Ohio. But we've never had a brewery with this tagline before. No, so. I, we'll get to it in just a second. But uh, Josh, I need to get the people. Uh, you know, they need their news, man. News, give them the news. Josh, fans are back and baseball stadiums are rocking. Both Cincinnati and Cleveland welcomed back full capacity fans to their respective ballparks ballparks this weekend as the Reds swept the Rockies to get back over 500 in a series where the offense really came to life, averaging nine runs per game in the thumping of Colorado. The Tribe also had a nice welcome back taking two of three against Seattle, including a four-run comeback and a five-to-four victory on Saturday afternoon. In soccer, the MLS returns from an international break next weekend after a U.S. victory in the CONCACAF Nations League. CONCACAF. With some big matchups, as FCC looks to get back in the win column versus the red-hot Colorado Rapids. And Columbus... Sad says goodbye to historic Crew Stadium versus early MLS rivals Chicago Fire. And finally, mini camps are opening up and football is just around the corner, Josh. Mini camps opening up in these two weeks we were off. Um, both Cincinnati and Cleveland opened up camp with some new faces, such as Jamar Chase and Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, and returning stars from injury, including Joe Burrow and Odell Beckham Jr., we are just 13 weeks away from the Bengals, three-point underdogs, hosting the Vikings, and the Browns, six-point underdogs, heading to Kansas City. So, guys, football just around the corner. I cannot wait. 11 and a half weeks till, uh, you know, Bearcats and Buckeyes are back, and then 13 weeks for the Bengals and the Brownies. It's almost that beautiful time of year. Josh, those are your OH headlines. We are drinking a Citra IPA from not Kirikin Brewing, not Kirikin Brewing Company, Kirikin Spirits. 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 And not like, ooh, spirits. Like, oh. not only do they do <laughs> beer, but they do uh, a couple other things. Uh, Kirikin opened up there in Cincinnati, kind of right off... Uh, Red Bank over in Fairfax. Off the Wooster Pike. Off the Wooster Pike. Is it Wooster or Wooster? I think it's Wooster. Maybe. But uh, their uh, location, I believe they were closed for a while during COVID, but back open, uh, giant warehouse. They not only have beer, which they do have a few on tap, they also have uh, hard seltzers, very big into the uh, like you know seltzer game. And also they have their own liquor line including uh, vodka, brandy, gin, rum, agave spirit, which is pretty much just 
uh, tequila, I guess, but you can't call it tequila, and Chinese liqueur. Chinese liqueur. Which wow. I don't know what that means. So, but. yeah, these, these people do it all. That's what, that's what, I mean, first off, the beer is fantastic. Uh, great West Coast IPA. I love West Coast IPAs. But the thing that's unique about this beer of the week is the place it comes from because they just do so much stuff. The only other place I can think of that really has a footprint this diverse on the products they make is maybe March 1st Brewing. But this yeah, is just yeah. all sorts of really unique stuff done really well. Um, I've had the their uh, the sugar, the rum, um, and their um, what what was it called? The agave spirit. Agave spirit. Yeah, I've had their agave spirit. It's very good. Uh, I know I had some of their seltzers when they first came out. I really liked them. I've had some from the cans. They're kind of hit or miss. You know, I've had uh, they have right now five cans of, of spirit out there. So they have like sparkling, they call it sparkling spirits. So, uh, yeah, I want to try this, uh, this loco margarita strawberry jalapeno stuff that like, this is just sounds like different stuff. Yeah. Well, and the one thing is, you know, you, you look at a brewery and you look at their beers and it's like the, the two beers that they have canned are, you know, their Citra IPA, which is a pretty standard form yeah. of IPA, a Pilsner so they're not one of the companies, you know, they have some beers, they have usually a handful right. on selection, but they're one of the, you know, they're one of those that kind of go into everywhere and more of their experimental is like we said on the spirit side, whether it's yeah. sparkling spirit, whether it's one of those margarita things or whether it's, Cause their is beer, it sake? I don't know what Chinese liqueur is. Yeah, I don't know if that's they're doing the same thing there with like agave spirit or whatever, but as far as the beer goes, I mean, when you look at it, most of their branding is this way, but it's it's pretty standard stuff, uh, pretty minimal on the design, and then the beer itself is just you know standard, good quality, nothing crazy. I think what they do really well is just the vast variety of things they have. Um, have never been there. I'm gonna have to um, try it out. But yeah, I, this was not on my radar for beer at all. And they do a very good job of it. Yeah, I've I've been to the tap room. I went to it, you know, when it was a relatively new place. I haven't been there since COVID. But, you know, I, I know at least the menu that I had there, once again, a little bit off the beaten path, but still very good. Yeah. You know, they're they're not exactly your uh your straight up the middle brewery or spirit company, as you can tell, but well, very this good. This would be a good one for those in the Cincinnati area that know of the frequent, the more popular breweries. This is right down the road. This is maybe a five, maybe a 10 minute drive from uh, 50 West Brewing, um, basically on the other side of Fairfax, Fairfax Marymount area. Right near so, Mad Tree, too. Yeah, right near Mad Tree. So a good little hopping place if you have a, a responsible driver with you to do a weekend brewery trip along route 50 there yeah so uh baiju baiju is the traditional chinese alcohol so i guess it's possibly their take on on baiju so uh if you're into that kind of thing or uh agave spirit or just you know want a nice citra ipa or pilsner check out kirkin brewing over uh in the fairfax area of cincinnati all righty josh we are moving into our first quick sip of the podcast uh today we're talking stadiums uh of course uh saturday is the 
final game in uh, historic Crew Stadium, uh, known as Mott Free Stadium, Columbus Crew Stadium over the years. Um, a famous stadium as the team moves downtown. Famous because it was the uh, first soccer-specific stadium in the U.S., which is fine, you know, uh, probably two-thirds or so of the teams in MLS now have their own stadium, including, you know, Cincinnati recently got one. Columbus is obviously getting another one right now. So, uh, you know, very important um, area oh, yeah. to, uh, you know, the U.S. Uh, also a place where they won a lot, you know, because they want to show off their soccer-specific stadium, played a lot of, uh, you know, national games yeah, there. Yeah, a lot of Beat national Mexico wins there. there. You know, a lot of big wins, so a lot of history in this stadium. So, you know, though probably better for, you know, the team and the fans move downtown, have a very beautiful stadium that, that they're opening up uh, beginning of next month. But this is the final game at Crew Stadium. So with such a unique stadium that, you know, uh, has some wonderful memories. I don't know, Josh, did you ever go to any games at, at Columbus Crew Stadium? I never got a chance to attend a game there. Went okay. to many uh, many concerts many and concert, other events yeah. there, but never caught a soccer game there. Okay, so uh, I went there for, uh, I think I've, I've been to three or four games there. Uh, during the uh, one of the runs that they had, I believe it was late 2017, early 2018, uh, I went to the playoff games there, so against New York City FC in Toronto. So a very cool atmosphere when it's really yeah. rocking and the teams, you know, cheap tickets. So a very, very cool stadium. But uh, on that, we wanted to uh, discuss some of our favorite former stadiums. Uh, obviously a ton here in Cincinnati, but just across, you know, sports. Maybe it's a stadium that, you know, never got a chance to go to, like the old Crosley Field that, you you know, you'd want to go to or you know, something else crazy. Josh, what, what kind of stadiums do you have on your list? Uh, well, my one, my local one for Ohio, uh, for Cincinnati. Um, I believe it was also known as uh, League Park 3. Um, it's at the intersection of Finley and Western in Cincinnati. It was the Palace of the Fans. And it was just such a, uh, if you've never seen pictures of the Palace of the Fans, go go check in on that because it's really a unique it's it's like all the ballparks of its time where they were all trying to be very unique or trying to fit into certain dimensions in the city this one is just unique for its build and does actually look like a palace um, from the stands now would i want to watch a game nowadays with all those pillars there i'm not sure um but the uh it didn't it didn't close per se more burned to the ground so i don't know if we can include it in this category but one of my favorite local ones that i wish i could have gone to yeah the local one that i have i you know i actually went to a ton of times as a kid but one that i wish you know maybe i could have seen some other teams uh was you know the beatles went there once uh home to the Cincinnati royals for a number of years home to a, a number of uh crosstown shootouts for a number of years I knew it as the home of the Cincinnati Mighty Ducks. It was a barn. It was a, it was a barn. You had to park in a in a you know gravel lot and walk up the hill. But man, I love the Cincinnati Gardens. So yeah. if there if there was a place around here that I would love to just go back and watch a game at again, it would be a Ducks game or you know if I could go further back, try to see a Royals game yeah. at uh, at the Gardens. Ah man, the Gardens. I like that you call it a barn because that place was just a rowdy barn. 
Uh, I do have one from outside the state, Greg. Okay. Uh, it's nearby, and uh, it's just one of I thought it was one of the coolest stadiums, and I can't say that I never I've never been there because you and I both were there. But the Pontiac Silverdome, man, Ooh. a legendary stadium. It was one of the lar- It was the largest NFL stadium for some time there in the '80s. Over eighty thousand capacity. The first to do that, like air pressured fiberglass dome thing. And uh, it's a the very acoustics in there were miserable. Uh, Standing on the yes. field, there you can hear anything. Yes, uh, it's it's Greg and I made our uh, mark in history there uh, when we won uh, a marching band. Regional? regional was yeah. it a regional um the ladies first, please, the first please, ever ladies. for yeah everybody take it easy give us give us come on come on marching easy, band easy regional champions what like 10 years ago at this point uh, longer than that my man <laughs> uh but it's a classic example of what happens to defunct stadiums that no one knows what to do with and why they end up hosting marching band regionals. And then the the stadium collapsed. Did you see the video of the, the like the biker yeah. going around? Yeah, and it, it collapsed uh, because it's in Detroit, where the weather is not good for air pressure domes. Detroit. Uh, and it sold when it sold. It sold for half a million dollars, less than one percent of the cost to build. Uh, and then, yeah, now, now I'm sure it's a mall or something similar to the way the Cincinnati Gardens are uh, condos, I believe. So that's a sad thing, the lives of American sports stadiums. Yeah, I, I actually had two for my outside of Ohio one. Uh, one is just, you know, the classic place, the place that, you know, when you play MLB The Show and you can play the classic ballpark, you play it. It's the polo grounds, yep. the weirdest dimensions ever. Just a game that I would love to see like today's players play at. Oh yeah, you know where it's it's like two sixty down the lines and it's like five you know forty to straight center because they have that little cutout. The bullpens back in the corners, just the weirdest dimensions. And then the other one, a stadium unlike no other. One that is still in its shape but not in its normal form. You go down to Memphis, it is now a Bass Pro Shop. We were talking about the pyramid, home to the no. Memphis Tigers and Memphis Grizzlies uh, for a time. Just a weird-looking stadium, yeah. a giant pyramid. I mean, the look inside, like, it's just weird-looking. But it's such a cool place. Like, just the view of it and looking inside and seeing, you know, how you normally see the top of the stadium. Just weird having a point at the top. Yeah. The acoustics in it have to be so weird. It would just be interesting to see a game there. Yeah, I mean, that's one of those that's just like you wish you could see it like in its former glory just for the spectacle of it because there's nothing like it. But, Josh, I'm sure you're aware there yes, is you can't one get discount team, fishing wear there. I know there that. is one team currently in Division One basketball that plays in the pyramid. I believe it's Long Beach State University oh, plays in the pyramid. Oh. So if you want to look that up, I'll have uh, to go to Long Beach State game sometime. On uh, on the interwebs, they also do play in a pyramid, but it only holds about you know two thousand people instead of like that's a small pyramid, sixty thousand people. So not quite not quite the Egyptian esque pyramid that you get in Memphis. No, still standing today once again as a as a Bass Pro Shop. So let us know uh, if you could watch a game in any era, where would you want it to be? Would you want it to be you know go back to the barns of the Palace of Fans or, or the Gardens? Or maybe uh, the Pontiac Silverdome or the Pyramid down in Memphis. Let us know at 30 Racket Sports.
All right, Josh, it's time for our second quick sip. That it is. We're bringing back is. the worst of the worst. This time we're talking formats in sports. Now, you were the one that brought this idea to the table, so you want to give a little bit of background. It had to do with NASCAR, uh, which you are a, a big fan of, so uh, kind of bring how this idea spawned. Well, I just, you know, I saw that um, the NASCAR All-Star Race was going to be on, and so I was like, ah. Oh. You know, I was flipping through. Yeah, you mentioned Copa America was on. You know, flipping through things on a Sunday evening. Yeah, your and, sports choices are kind of few yeah, and far between. Yeah, maybe looking to toss a little coins down on uh, on a driver. But uh, you know, I'm looking, and there's a race at six, and there's a race at eight, and the race at six was like to determine who would get the final three spots in the All Star race that was then at eight, and then the All Star race was a hundred laps. But it was, you know, how they have like the stages yeah, in racing they, they now, where they stop, now. they yeah. stop the race and bring all the cars back together again. Well, Greg, there were six rounds in this race that was a hundred laps. So what, like twelve? Yeah. Laps? So do do the math on that, and you'll realize that. And I don't know if they were all equally spaced out, but you think like at least less than twenty laps. Yeah, I was going to say you you may be like twelve versus thirteen laps. Yeah, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So you're stopping every dozen dozen and a half yeah. laps what that's stupid man like and then they would do interviews and stuff and laps yeah and so and so it takes this whole night to get through 100 laps where you're stopping and starting constantly and it's one of those things much like it's been the hot topic in baseball this year where it just seems so tone deaf from the front offices of the sport itself that like you don't seem to even like the sport itself at sometimes because you won't let them play it. Yeah, you want you want so much of the the intrigue of the fan stuff. It's yeah. almost kind of like I mean a lot of the All Star game, you know, whether it's the Pro Bowl. Yeah, and or it's an All Star like thing, you know, and that's that's the other thing. I, they kept making such a big deal out of the fact that the winner of the race was getting a million dollars. Yeah, and you know sometimes it'd be like okay if it was like the very unlikely chance that, you know, one of the small time, nobody drivers won the all-star race. And then I guess maybe it'd be a big deal, yeah, but, but like watching guys, it. Yeah. Watching a pro professional athlete compete for a million dollars. And there's no mention of like to donate to a charity of their choice or anything. So it's just like, okay, so it's some professional athlete that's going to win a million dollars. Big, yeah, big deal. Like a lot of these guys probably have million plus dollar yeah. sponsorships. So I, that, that brought the whole thing on and, the other thing is we there are some terrible formats that are starting to maybe correct themselves. College football playoff is apparently meeting to expand to 12 teams. and Yeah, then, possibly let some other teams in there. Just so I don't grumble the whole time, I'll give a shout-out to the College World Series for having an awesome format. Yeah, very cool format. I mean, the, uh, the super regional format oh, is, is very underrated. So good. You know, it's one of those things where it's also like baseball's – such a sport that you don't get a lot of, you know, you get some advantage being at home, but having, you know, double elimination at home at the beginning and then everything else, and you get a bunch of teams in and whatnot. Right. So it's, I mean, it's very cool. I think both college world series, cause you saw like uh, in the women's college world series, you saw uh, the Dukes of James Madison make a little run. So that's right. Uh, from that, we are having our worst formats in sports. So whether it's like an all-star game whether it's a, a tournament or, you know, a playoff of some sort, or it's just like in general, like 
season schedules. Yeah, what do you, what do you have for us, Greg? You got any any grumbles? Any worst of the worst for you? Uh, so I have two. Uh, my first one comes to uh, it was it was the first thing I thought of actually when you when you mentioned terrible formats uh, because recently uh, you know some of the college football lines came out for week one so I'm thinking college football the SEC bye week oh. is a travesty one it like screeches to a halt a lot of halt a lot of games because some teams do have that week off but all the SEC teams have that week off so you're getting you know. Alabama playing the Citadel, you know, Auburn playing, you know, Northern Alabama, all these teams playing FCS or very low FBS teams. The week before, you know, the Iron Bowl or uh, good old-fashioned hate, you know, and all that other stuff, you know, Georgia, Georgia Tech, Florida, Florida State, all that stuff. And it's one of those things where, one— from uh, you know, from fans of other conferences, you can say, well, it's unfair. They get a chance to kind of get a tune-up. They get a chance to get people healthy. You know, normally most teams aren't playing more than half, but also it just like sucks as fans. Yeah. You know, a lot of some conferences like the Big Ten have said, hey, don't schedule FCS people anymore. But then also late in the season, it's just like, you know, there are that many less games. Some other schools, I know, like Clemson, has kind of been trying to jump in on that that right. ship to kind of do some of that tune-up stuff. So it just makes a week of college football that much worse. Because usually, you know, you understand week one and two, some people are playing lesser competition. And right. You'll have to work up to it. But at that point, you're like, I want a good game. What's, why don't you push it back and, you know, make Alabama play someone better earlier or have it early in the season and maybe have just, you know, even if it's Alabama, South Carolina, it's better than that. Well, especially, Greg, if you're a season ticket holder for f- college football, you figure, you know, you get that first week game that's either, you know, a cool game or a nothing game. And, and then you maybe hot. have, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's very, very hot. And then you figure you have, uh, you know, your rivalry game in there. And then you maybe have, like, one other game before things really start to heat up in the race. But... When you get that late in the season, as a season ticket holder, you know there's only so many home games in college football. So you're really counting them down to when you get to midseason. At least for me, when we're midseason in college football, it's like, oh, man, we already have only X many games left. And if I'm an Auburn fan and I'm like, oh, man, we have any, so many X games left till the you know finale, Iron Bowl and everything, and one of them is against you know Louisiana Tech. Or something like that. Not, not even Louisiana. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that was a terrible yeah. example. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, or like when Alabama played Kent State. You know, it's just like, why as a fan would would you want to look forward? Like, I guess you're going to the game and everything, but I just, why would you want to watch that? And the thing is, it's like, if you want that bye week, then fine. Then just let make then have yeah. it be for all teams. Then maybe have Alabama play, even if it's like Duke that weekend. It's still better. Maybe well, they'll kill Duke. But. Right. What's your, what's your other one? Uh, so my other one is um, kind of the division format and schedules. And I mean it because NFL is kind of its own beast because you only have so many games. Right. But in divisions, especially like baseball, where you have the ability to play, you know, I think I did the math. If you minus off the interleague games because you kind of need those with the, you know, odd teams in each league. 
you can play each team between 10 and 11 times. Right. So you look at it, you would maybe get two road three-game series and a home four-game series, flip it every year. Because the issue that you have is every year there are unbalanced divisions. You see it in basketball, too, where maybe you could just make it 130 team. Yeah. All about, yeah. you know, where you get these unbalanced leagues and unbalanced divisions. The one year that I oddly remember, and I, I far be it from me to ever, like, feel bad for the Cardinals or anything. But I remember there was one year in 2015 where the Cardinals had the best record in the league. And then, you know, who I think the Dodgers were pretty good. And then whoever won the, uh, I think it was the Mets. Or no, the Mets, yeah. At, and the Mets ended up going to the World Series because, you know, they just had to beat the Dodgers, who were a pretty mediocre team. Where the second best team in the league, and I think the second and fourth best teams in the National League, were the Cubs and the Pirates. They had to play each other for one game. And then the Cardinals had to play one of the best teams in the league that they just battled right. out in a close race again. And it's one of these things where it's like, you know, back in the, you know, back when baseball was expanding, because they used to play every team. But back when baseball was expanding, yes, you need an East and a West because, you know, it's tough to travel by train or those planes that don't, you know, quite right. travel as well. But now it's like, you know what? If you have to go to the West Coast, you know, an extra time a year to make it, so you don't have to play, you know, so the Cubs don't have to play the Brewers or the Pirates, you know, they put the Pirates like yeah. 40 times so far right. this year. Even it out a little bit. And that way, at the end of the year, you can take the, you know, you can take the four best teams or the three best teams and the two wild cards and stuff like that. Like right now, you know, the Indians are having a good season, but the White Sox are one of the best teams in the league. Yeah. And then, you know, and you're then the rest of the di- of those teams. Well, and then the rest of the division is crap. So it's just like, all right. And we're going to get to this in a minute, but it's like, it's, you know, it's kind of very, you know, picturing itself out. You know, you've got those three teams that are bottom dwellers. Then you've got the Indians who are good, but not great enough. And then you've got the Chicago White Sox who are great enough and none of them are going to catch it. We're or, just going to watch or this you have, ride itself out for the rest of the year. Or you have the Reds who get their, you know, relief against the Pirates, but it's like, the Cardinals are right about 500 and the Brewers are above 500 and the Cubs are, you know, the Cubs and the Brewers are both seven games above 500. So you're going to battle almost every week in a tough divisional right. game. So it's one of those things where it's like, and then you look on the other side and you're like, you know, the East has like yeah, the Marlins, right. the Nationals, the Mets are mediocre, the Phillies are mediocre, the Braves are okay. And it's like, you know what? If the Mets and the Braves had to play, you know, the Cubs and the Brewers and the Cardinals a little bit more, then maybe the Reds would be even closer than, you know, four or five games out right. of the wild card like they are right now. Well, and there's just so much wacky scheduling stuff in baseball. Like, the Yankees just had a Friday off. Didn't play a game on a Friday. What? <laughs> Since when do baseball teams not play on Friday? That's absurd. Well, because they have the two-game series now. That's so absurd. Like, I know. So so what do you have for your uh, for your formatting quirks whether it's playoff or scheduling or anything uh mine was more yeah just the the race and and yeah there's other scheduling you know quirks in the baseball realm and everything um the yankees i believe the mets have it happened i believe the braves have it happened i don't i would be very shocked if this happened to the cubs but with what i'm seeing this year maybe i wouldn't be that surprised there's so many teams that have a random friday off 
This is baseball, Greg. You should always be playing baseball on a Friday evening or at least a Friday afternoon if you're the if you live in Wrigleyville. Yeah, I was gonna say. Well, yeah, I mean, but usually Mondays, Thursdays, occasionally like a Wednesday. Yeah, or sometimes like if that. you get sometimes stuck between get four gamers. Yeah, yeah. But, and then, but that's another thing with four four game series, and we'll get to our big chug in a minute where we're going to talk about the Reds and the Indians, but with the Reds. They have to play the Brewers, like you were saying, they have to play the Brewers so many times over the course of the next month. And then going into the All-Star break, they play them. And then coming out of the All-Star break, they play them. It's just like, what in the world? Like, who's putting these together? That like, was like, who's, a lot of people who's were making calling these the schedules fraudulent early because they played the Pirates like 12 times yeah. in their first like 30 games. And it was like every time you turn on the TV, it's either the it's either Cubs, Pirates, in Wrigley or in PNC Park. Yeah, it's, it's like if you think about it, you know, obviously AL teams you only see so much, but it's like if you're a you know if you're a Phillies fan or a Mets fan or something in Cincinnati, every other year getting them the comfort, you know, like I said, if you do the three four three format and maybe you know maybe closer teams or maybe there are a few teams that you go three four four or whatever, right? But if you would get Every other year, you would get six games in Cincinnati. That's not bad. Yeah, and I bet you market that a lot better, too. And the thing is, sometimes, you know, some, like, they've had issues with the Indian series. Sometimes, you know, the Phillies come or the Padres come or, you know, the Dodgers come for their one series a year on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And it's like, if you could get two series, maybe a weekend series, maybe a little bit easier for fans to come. Right, yeah. Yep. So let us know what's what's your worst format in sports. Maybe it's an all star game. Maybe maybe you hate the Pro Bowl. Maybe you hate the dunk contest. Maybe you want it the dunk contest to be at halftime every time of the, the NBA All Star game. Maybe it's hockey scheduling. I don't know. Let us know at Thirty Rack Sports on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you for sticking with us on 30 Rack of Sports as we ramble on out of our vacations, ready to talk sports. So, uh, yeah, you know, we're gonna, we might ramble on a little bit. and We might ramble on, especially now, because, Greg, we're talking baseball for a big chug. Thank goodness. As we mentioned, you know, we're, we're checking in again on baseball during a, a slow sports time uh, as, you know, some of the winter sports start to wind down just before football starts to pick up. So we're, we're getting back in on the baseball uh, as things start heating up, not only the summer months, but also the uh, divisional races. Yeah, and the division, Greg, the AL Central, will start up north with the Cleveland Indians. I, AL- I'm basically in for Zach right now yeah. to be the Indians. Filling uh, in. The Indians poster boy. I've got my Miller time. Sure. Zach wanted us to relay um, one simple statement. Bob Bradley. Finally, finally, finally. And I, I sent, as soon as I saw it, I sent it to the group message. I, I mean, Bobby, we... Or Jake Bowers, DFA'd Bobby Bradley up. Called him up. And, and that is something that we harped on in our baseball. At the like beginning. When we were beginning of the season. And as the division takes shape, Greg, you have to wonder, has some of the roster decisions, you know, some of those as... Zach would want to say retooling decisions that have been made or maybe not made. How has that hurt them so far, or has it hurt them? Do you think? 
You know, I gave away my answer. Yes, I think it does. But what do you think? My thought is, of course, the retooling hurts them. But I think also, I think their mind was in a the wrong place. It wasn't, it was turning the page, but it was kind of like, you know, when you leave the page just sitting up between two, yeah. two pages, where it was like, we want to move forward, but also we don't want to quite close the door. You know, there are a couple guys, there were a couple of head scratchers. There are some guys like, uh, you know, like we mentioned, Jake Bowers, the guy who they got in a trade with Tampa Bay, who they weren't quite willing to to close the door on. They had Ben Gamble, who was, uh, you know, not great coming out of camp, who they DFA'd early, but they left him on the roster for a while. A couple guys that they just left up for a little too long. And instead of, you know, bringing some of these guys like Bobby Bradley in to get him some at-bats, hitting 444 in his first 20 at-bats for six games with two home runs, seven RBIs in six games, I think we'll take that. Uh, take that any day of the week. Sorry, I was laughing there a little bit just because I, I have Zach in my mind right now groaning on about the whole Jake Bowers decision. And I just, the numbers, like if you look at it on paper, it just blows my mind. Yeah, and I mean, he was just, I mean, he was just not hitting great. He hit right, he's okay, but he was, you know, pretty easy matchup decision. And they had so many problems offensively. I mean, Bowers was hitting 190. You know, Bowers in 113 plate appearances has as many home runs as Bobby Bradley has in 20. You know, um, Bobby Bradley has more RBIs in 20 plate appearances than Jake Bowers had in 113 plate appearances. And so RBIs, I'm glad you bring this up. So the Cleveland Indians, they sit in second place in the AL Central, a 34-28 and 28 record coming into this week With of June. With a minus eight. With a run. minus eight run differential. And Greg, we were talking about in our quick sip there a moment ago, how we were saying the division, like when we left the show two weeks ago to go on our vacations and everything, the Royals were kind of still fluttering around there uh they are two for eight in their last 10 games and are now 10 and a half games back where the indians are five and a half games back from the white Sox. the white Sox have a plus 106 run di- differential the indians minus eight royals and everyone else has minus 30 or worse so that just shows you how this division is taking shape and you know espn has cleveland indians listed in there as uh, quote, should be uh, aggressive when the or, deadline comes around. Or at least around. they have them as kind of like yeah. wait and see. Wait and they have see their, and they their, should be. Yeah, they're top people. They're kind of wait and see, and then they're kind of maybe maybe in the future. So uh, I'll ask you, Greg, where what needs to happen between now and then to determine whether that's going to be a should we be aggressive, should we not? You know, I think a lot depends on what you see going forward. I think you've seen some good, you know, in Bobby Bradley, Harold Ramirez. Uh, you know, Bradley Zimmer's hit a little bit better. Uh, you know, you obviously have some of those guys like, you know, uh, Jimenez and Owen Miller that have struggled coming up. You have a bunch of guys on the IL, a lot of pitching inconsistency. It just depends if they can keep it up. If they get to a point where they can, you know, get things together. I think a lot of teams were 
a lot more worried about, you know, having that fan additive going into the season. You know, they weren't sure maybe it would be Labor Day, maybe it would be late in the season. So right. getting fans back in June may put a little extra cash in the pocket, depending on what kind of, uh, you know, deals that they have. Because they do have a lot of guys under, uh, you know, a lot of club control. Don't have, you know, right now if you look at, uh, you know, their main everyday players, the only two guys you see over 30 are uh, Roberto Perez and uh, Cesar Hernandez, who are, you know, 32 and 31 respectively. So they got a, a lot of youth, a lot of team control. You don't really want to mortgage your future, especially when you have a juggernaut like the White Sox. But I think if they can find maybe an under-the-radar move, maybe you know a solid starting pitcher to go for, it might not be a bad idea. Maybe someone to help that lineup that has been exceedingly inconsistent from yes. game to game and from inning to inning this year. Very inconsistent has uh, that rotation that we thought would be one of the sure points of this Indians team. And now uh, as we have some... Uh, Guess breaking news is it today, but uh, Shane Bieber is placed on the 10-day injured list. He joins uh, starter Zach Plesac, who's already on the injured list. Uh, uh, Luplo's out there. Roberto Perez is out there. Um, Fran Mill's still Yeah, Fran Mill's still, still out. got about three weeks. They said five to seven weeks on May 28th, so that puts him at about... At least two and a half more weeks. Yeah. So more you're seeing three or four. So you're seeing the offense that was already kind of lackluster, you know, take a hit there. A rotation already, as you said, exceedingly inconsistent, taking some injuries. So and then we talked about before the show, there just seemed to be putting a lot of pressure on Class A and Shaw, the rest of that bullpen. Yeah, I mean, you look at, you know, their bullpen. I mean, you got, you know, Sandlin and Henches, and Henches has had some starts. They both have, you know, 10 and 13. Aside of that, you got a couple guys in the middle, but really, you're leaning on Class A, who's got a 105 ERA, Shaw's got a 173, and Karinacek, who's got a 267 in 29 games. But you look at, you know, Shaw is, you know, the elder statesman here, 33 years old was good with the tribe for a while but kind of you know fell off going to you know obviously some tough places to pitch like colorado but coming back you know he's been well but you're wondering if if it's just a ticking time bomb and then you have two guys like karinicek and and class a who really you know class a missed last year with the suspension the year before i think only pitched you know 25 innings so he's at 25.2 so he's already pitched as many innings as he has, you know, in his entire major league career. You're interested to see what happens in August, September. Uh, Quantrill, uh, you know, a guy who, oh, yeah. who's coming up, but, you know, you're wondering if he's a long reliever, where he kind of fits in. And then Karinacek, you know, his season high is 27 innings in the shortened season last year. Already he's at there. So you wonder if he's going to flame out too. So it's one of those questions where you got to try to save these guys, but then you have Bieber going out, who's been your horse. You know, Savali's been good. Plesak should be coming back here soon, but then you have, you know, McKenzie, who they might send down to AAA, Logan Allen, who they've had down at AAA. Uh, you know, McKenzie's had some control and some walk issues. Uh, Henches, they haven't been able to get a whole lot of, uh, you know, um, 
innings out of. He has a 7.86 ERA. Uh, Jan Carlos Mejia is a guy that they have starting uh, actually Monday night. You know, his last couple games, he hasn't been able to go more than like four innings. So you're putting a lot of stress on this bullpen. And it's one of those things that you don't always see the issues right now, but you see it going, you know, August, September. And it's one of those things that you worry. They still feel like they're kind of treading water with some fool's gold right now, you know. Yeah. Eight games above 500, but with a minus eight run differential. That's something that can fall off very quickly. Yeah. Well, and what's interesting, though, is that, you know, because everyone talks about the Indians are a a should of team. You know, they don't often pull the trigger, actually, on things. And I feel like they might wait a little bit too long to see what's going on here. Because when you look at their upcoming schedule coming into the All-Star break, I mean, they're starting... Uh, four games uh, this week with Baltimore. Yeah, and they've 14 got of their next Pittsburgh, 16 games are against teams that have a 400 Minnesota, Detroit, or less. Yeah, yeah Minnesota and Detroit Kansas City. I mean, their toughest tasks is a seven-game stint uh, between the Astros and the Rays. I think they got a, a two-day stop in Chicago against the Cubs as well. But other than that, you know, you got fairly easy teams here going into the break. So you still could kind of be... I mean, if you take care of business as you should, still kind of be hovering at the exact same spot you are now coming yeah, into the only, break. Yeah, only a game and a half out of the wild card. You got to wonder what's important to ownership going forward. Yeah. Uh, usually it's just, you know, shedding payroll. So, uh, you know, maybe if there's a, a smart move, they're usually not someone to kind of pull the big move. Sometimes right. it's kind of that smart, like that Trevor Bauer move where you get yeah. maybe a piece for now, but also a couple pieces like, you know, Fremo Reyes, Cal Quantrill, I believe Owen Miller might have been in that deal. So some pieces to help you in the future. But, you know, they really have to play well the next couple weeks because, you know, you don't have that, uh, what, that waiver trade trade deadline for the, mm. for the month of August that you used to. So, you know, July, end of July, early August, usually it's like the 31st or the 1st. It's kind of a hard stop. Yeah. So... Pretty much, once you get to the All-Star break, you have to decide, right? And are we going to move one way or are we going to move another way? And I feel like they're too much in the middle. They've got a tough road to climb. You know, They're going back to the um, original playoff format that they had before the, the pandemic yeah. season where you know if they're one of the wildcard teams, they get a one-game series. And I think it might just be, unless there's a smart kind of under the radar move i don't see the Indians yeah. really pulling anything that's, that's my thing because i think it's going to be too late i think you you come after the all-star break and are sitting at about the same spot that you are now the only difference is maybe the white Sox, who have almost the exact same schedule uh opponent wise this stretch that we're talking about with the indians so it's not like they're going to lose any ground like if they take care of business as they should they're only going to be further away while you're in the same spot. And knowing what we know about this ownership, Greg, I, you make a good point. You know, what are their intentions right now? And how do they view this team? I feel like we're not going to get a good measure on that until it's too late. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, with these teams, you're, you're looking for certainty. And I think that's what, you know, this, uh, this ownership group wants. A wild card berth is nice, but they, you know, they want a chance at a division title. And just looking at the White Sox up and down, uh, you know, I mentioned 
I think before the show, they have had three multiple there they've had three losing streaks which is two games or more which is really not even a losing streak no they've only had three of those they lost two in a row to the angels early in the year got swept the only time this year they've gotten swept against the yankees and lost two in a row to the indians that's the only three times they've lost multiple games in a row this entire season so you know they have a deep lineup they have some, you know, some very solid pitchers, especially some guys coming back from injury. You know, I mean, uh, Rodon is, you know, they're like third best pitcher, and he's, you know, and they're the only throwing team, no hitters. They're the only team in baseball with a triple digit plus run differential. Yeah, I so, mean, they're they're a machine. Eight and two in their last ten. I mean, you look at their their, uh, you know, I mean. Michael Kopik, who has unbelievable stuff, has only started three games. He's mostly been out of the bullpen. He's got a one seven two ERA, but two of their starters have ERAs under two, and their worst starter right now is Dallas Keuchel. Yeah, that's yeah, right. One four ERA, which isn't even that bad, no. especially considering how dominant their yeah. their offense has been. Everyone's freaking out about that because to his standards and everything, that is terrible. But uh, yeah, I mean, they, they've only allowed 222 runs. That's that's 20 less than the Rays and significantly less than anyone past that. And I uh, mean, <laughs> you look at any guy that has, you know, multiple like games out of the bullpen with them. They have a couple guys that have ERAs in the mid five. You look around the league. You're at least gonna find one reliever that's struggling, you know, right. seven. Oh, I know. ERA. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> know with the Reds, but anywhere you're gonna see that with you know a guy that you know has struggled a little bit up and down. But you go with any guy that has pitched more than you know three games for him, and you're gonna find ERAs, you know, twos, threes, fours, and just a couple up in the fives, but. Once again, when you have a, an offense that's killing it, you've got great starting pitchers. You've got very little load on the offense. I mean, all of their starters have pitched at least you've got 65 innings so far. So you've got that certainty up and down. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, it's tough because, you know, if they were in a weaker division, you know, right. I mean, maybe out west where things are kind of up and down, if they were in the NL East or something. But man, they have, you know, potentially one of the best teams in baseball in their division. And it makes it tough because, like we mentioned, with yeah. divisions, even if you're the second or third best team in the league, you're in that one game. Who knows? Someone has a bad night. Well, I mean, just look at this. I mean, the Indians are the only winning record against another division they have is in interleague play where they're 5-4. and four. But like in the central, they're twenty-one and twelve, very respectable, taking care of business against their division. Uh, ESPN has them as of this week projected to win uh, eighty games, but only a five percent chance to win the division and nine percent chance to make the playoffs. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, any any other, and they will compete for a wild card spot. I think. Not not saying they won't do that, but yeah, if you're I gonna mean, go depends, make a run at yeah. this division, I feel like I'm not gonna say is impossible. But when you look at it, it certainly seems that way. You're, I mean, you're probably, I mean, just looking at where the, you know, where the White Sox are right now. You know, they're 41 and 24. You're probably gonna have to win 105, 106 games. That's just not the Indians this year, right? And I mean, yeah, that's not a lot of teams most years. No, it's it's nothing against them. It's just 
the White Sox are a wagon right now, and, and that's tough. Yeah, I, yeah, you're you've got you've got a a serious squad there in in Chicago, and if you can make a run at that, like like we said, the other thing about the, the whole divisional scheduling scheduling is you'll get plenty of chances the rest of the season to go toe to toe with these guys and show that you can punch at that weight, but. <sighs> They can slug at that weight, so I, I've just—it's an impossible task. It and seems even, like. I mean, you know, I, I, I know some White Sox fans, and they say, you know, the Indians give the White Sox a lot of trouble. If the Indians could get the White Sox in, in, in you know, in a series, but it's also like the White Sox kill everybody else. Like we said, right. they've been swept once this year. And you look at even good teams; it's like Dodgers have had a bad weekend, Padres have had a bad weekend. You know, any team in the NL Central has had a bad weekend. Uh, the Rays have had a bad weekend. These guys the don't White miss. These guys don't weekend. miss. Even with even with uh, LaRusso doesn't even know the rules no. managing them. So there you go. Let us know. Should the Indians be buyers? Should they hold Pat? Do they have any hope in the AL Central? I don't know. Ugh. Reds are up next. Kirikin Citra India Pale Ale Beer. This West Coast style IPA is true to style, loaded with citra hops for a big, citrusy, bold taste, and finishes with a fresh flavor. An instant Kirikin classic. It's pretty classic to me. It's a, it's, I mean, it's a classic beer. I don't know what to say. It's got a pretty, pretty plain can. I was a little disappointed because the... Uh, the seltzers have like that, like silver matte finish. With yeah, they yeah. have the bright colors on it. These their beer ones are just kind of like both the pills and the, even the pills. That's why well. I kind of like it because they're a, as we discussed a spirits company, and these cans just scream to me. Oh yeah, we also make beer. Like solid beer. <laughs> yeah, like, like, yeah, yeah. It's just like we make beer. It's it's not like we're it's not like we're we're a brewery, but it's just like. We also have beer here, and it's your standard beer. It's good beer. Pick up a six-pack today, <laughs> you know? The one thing that I will say is, like I said, I've tried some of their spirits, and I th- maybe it's just a taste thing. Some of them I thought were you know, good. Some of them I thought were, were less so. But I think the one thing is, you know, if you try a beer here, we're saying, yeah, it's a standard beer, but it's not a bad beer. Like, no, yeah. Right on style. Like, it's exactly what it should be, and I guess that's maybe what it – you know, it's beer can, exactly what it should be. Right. And yeah, beer, when we say exactly standard, like be. we've had so many beers on the shows, on the show, like especially like an IPA that has like a little something else to it or like one other like unique variant to it that makes it special. But this is just, you know, Citra hops, very, very common hop used in a lot of IPAs, especially the West Coast IPA style. It's just standard, grounded, what you would want if yeah. you it's were got your nice, out like, on the street out in the stores and saw i mean look look at if you see on the can here at the very bottom it just says beer <laughs> I, I think the other thing that you that's know, what we mean by standard i think kind of goes under the under the radar is like we mentioned you know there's stuff that we had to google like you know what an agave spirit right. what a chinese liqueur is and when you're in a place like that sometimes you're like you know what like these weird seltzers are cool like this 
you know, gin or whatever, but man, can I just get like a yeah. regular beer? And I think that's kind of what they have. They have their regular pills. They have the regular IPA. So it's one of those things that if you're out, Here's maybe, what with the, maybe with someone that likes something fruitier, you can just say, hey, I'll have a beer. I, yeah. And I think the best, the best metaphor for this, I think, is it, it's a duff beer, you know? Like you look at this, and it's just you. When you see the Duff beer on Simpsons, you're just like beer. It's just beer. Yeah, that's what it is. But it's beer. It's craft it's, beer. It's, yeah, it's but good it's craft beer. Craft beer for the common man. Right. I think that's where Kierkin craft that's, beer for the common man. Yep. Yep. Sign this, uh, Greg. Uh, we'll rent him out to do slogans and stuff. So if you want to contact the Thirty Rack of Sports Podcast offices, he's a uh, hourly rate for your slogans. DMS at Thirty Rack Sports Facebook Twitter Instagram. I'm cheap. And we are back to the big chug. Uh, still enjoying our Kierkin Citra IPA. Talking some more baseball. This time we're going from the AL to the NL Central, Josh. Talking your red legs this weekend. Big sweep against the Colorado Rockies to get back over 500. Feelings right now a very, very up and down season for the red legs obviously some injuries some up and down play so far going into june or going into mid-june treading just above 500 what are your feelings uh it's it's definitely been an up and down season i've had to try and gather my thoughts on the reds recently because a lot has happened and i think my thoughts are past Reds clubs after you have lost Mike Moustakis, Nick Senzel, uh, Joey, ne- Vato. Joey Votto, who's back and banging now, but you just lost Sonny Gray again. I think I would have expected past teams to kind of crumble under that. But this team, Greg, has worked themselves back to a winning record in the month of June, eight taking care of business. In their last 10. Yep, 8-2 and two in their last 10, and the first time that they have a winning record in the month of June since 2014. So you got to feel good about that. And it's been one of those seasons where we've seen record good and record bad. Yeah, I mean, um, five-game win streaks, six-game losing yeah. streaks, four-game winning streaks. Um, Three-game winning streaks, four-game losing streaks. Just it's all over the place. Yeah, it's kind of all over the place. And I think you're slowly seeing the division kind of turn into, for a minute there, uh, a few, like the Brewers had a week of running away with it. Then uh, recently the, in May, the Cubs had a bit of a time running away with yeah, it. Cardinals, Cardinals made back. a run Brewers for there, but then, yeah, the way again. down. So now I think you're kind of seeing what everyone expected from the NL Central. Everyone is bad at a specific thing, and it will destroy them for a couple weeks throughout multiple points of the season. But I don't then, know what but you're then, talking about. but then they'll climb back up and take control of it. Uh, so it's nobody needs starting pitchers. Nobody needs starting pitchers. Nope, you just need to have a good bullpen, apparently, or uh, all you need is starting pitching and never give it to your bullpen. Um, and I think not to oversimplify the sport, Greg, but especially in the NL Central, I just think you're seeing those big names at the plate, the big offensive guys having clutch at bats, doing crazy things. Uh, Got to mention Winker and Castellanos there as some of them, but on all the teams, 
You know, you've had those oh, big names about, uh, step up. Just other guy one and other guy two. Yeah. Per Ken Rosen, Rosenthal. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, but you're also seeing pitching, whether it be I wanted, the rotation. I wanted or to ask you about that. Destroy these NL Central teams uh, in well, one shape in one form or another. One of the guys I wanted to ask you about going forward in this season is a recent call-up, a guy that I believe is certain podcasts, 30 Rock of Sports, brought to you just a few weeks ago when we talked about breakout performers coming up. We said Vladimir Gutierrez yep. lighting it up in AAA right now. Two or uh, Yeah, two games in June. Three games, I believe, overall. He's one and one with a two seventy RA, and his one loss was a one nothing win against the Cubs, where he gave yeah. up. I mean, in a game where the wind was blowing in, gave up a, a home run that I was amazed that went out by David Bodie. Right, still looks. I mean, he looked good against yeah. the Cubs. I did not see his most recent, um, you know, start against Milwaukee, but seven, you know, very seven quality. innings, very quality, two runs, six hits. Here's what I love. He did have the three walks, but seven strikeouts. So he looks like a guy who's capable. Yeah, yeah. And here's what I love about this guy. He's capable and he has command. He attacks the strike zone. Something that has just been so frustrating to me and all Reds fans across Reds country is that the front office did not spend on arms. So now not only do you have let Bauer leave. Yeah. Uh, Well, not only in past years where you just have bad arms or underperforming arms, now you have arms that are just not capable of attacking the strike zone. And when you do not have the command and confidence to go after the strike zone in the big at the show at the big time, you're gonna you're gonna have a bad time. And we've seen that so many times from the Reds. Vladimir Gutierrez is a breath of fresh air. I hope he's up here for a long time. He's got excellent command. Doesn't walk a lot of guys. The walks have been killer for the Reds. But he's a guy that I'm very excited to see. But, yeah, because you have to be able to identify those guys in your farms, especially for the Reds and all the NL Central. Uh, Both the Cardinals, Cubs, and Reds lead the National League in that order in walks. And all own an ERA of 3.3 or higher when the game is tied or close late. I don't know what you're talking about. So, you know, we're seeing that breakdown of arms and the incapability of being able to throw strikes. A lot of them, and Greg, you and I have both seen our teams do this to each other, uh, is walks are killer. And what I mean that we've both seen our clubs, the Cubs and the Reds do to each other, is walk guys in. Walk guys in. I mean, uh, I don't know if you saw, I believe it was Saturday night. Um, the Cardinals against the Reds or against yeah. the Cubs had five walks and a hit batsman in an inning. Walked in a run, walking a pitcher. Yep. So, uh, don't even get me started on those dirty birds and their hit batsman. Excessive, excessive. Well, uh, he didn't have he didn't Come have in, any, he did. didn't have any form of uh, control that night. Yeah. I will give him that. Yes, because but he did hit Rizzo, but he hit him in the back leg, which doesn't is isn't because he was crowding the plate. Back leg, back leg, yeah, far. right. Well, and so we've talked a lot about scheduling on the podcast today. I feel like, and the Reds have gotten into some very 
some very sticky as my mic falls down. I'm going to carry this now for the rest of the time. We're going stand-up, folks. Uh, the Reds are... Uh, they had that weird start to the series or the season where they had to go out to the West Coast twice in yeah. April. Yep. Uh, and they had two like almost back to back series against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Yeah, those were some series. So, Greg, those I'm gonna I'm gonna give series. you a trio of teams right now, and one of them is not like the others. The Reds are one in six, and this this record by series. So they have one series win and six series losses against the trio of the Cubs, the Brewers, and the D-backs. Of the eight, the Reds have only lost eight series this season. And five of them are to those teams, the Cubs, Brewers, and Diamondbacks. Six and 12 against those teams thus far with a minus 27 run differential. And they went one and five against Arizona, who's currently on a nine-game losing streak and an 18-game losing streak on the road. Holy shit. Like if, if you could have just handled business Probably against shouldn't have lost I, I mean you could you could be up there running with the Cubs and the Brewers right now because you lost you, what six games against uh against a it, terrible Arizona. Even if team. you go five hundred, you're still like within a series striking distance of both right. those teams. Instead of what I think they're five and a half out right now. Right. So yeah, you're looking at all these series that you have with the Brewers coming up and you're like, all right, maybe we can make up the ground. Like, had you won those games against Arizona, or at least gone 500, you could be looking at these series now going, oh, okay, let's take it from them now. It's just, it, like you said to open the segment, Greg, it's just been an up and down roller coaster ride and so many, and listen. Speaking of one of the conductors of that roller coaster ride. Oh, that's where I was going to. Okay, I, well, I want to talk about, we'll get to David Bell. This is more important than David Bell. Okay. Uh... We want to talk about uh, one of this podcast's favorite players. Uh, by podcast, I mean me. Uh, the prodigal son of Cincinnati coming over from Colorado in the trade. Is this the end of the road? And I really hope it isn't. For Hollywood Hoffman. <laughs> That's right. I forgot. The Hoffmeister, yeah. Jeff Hoffman. Is it the end of the road? Because I don't know if my heart can take it. He's been my favorite pitcher for... How long has the season been? For a couple two, months. <laughs> for two and a half months now. Yeah, man, I want you to get that Hoffman jersey. Like, uh, I need I mean, it. If you got, if you got that ERA under like three five, he's got to get it down about a run. And yeah, well, and the thing with Hoffman is, is I think you know when you look at some of his numbers, it's a case 27 of twenty-seven like, walks and forty-one innings. Yeah, that's the bad number, and that's I feel like the case with so many of the Reds' young pitchers is that. Um, there's the group of there's the group of pitchers that have just terrible command. And when Hoffman first came up, I thought his command was great, but it definitely took a step off. And I think it's just a confidence thing. Um, but the point I'm getting at is it's the walks. The walks thing is the thing that's killing the young Reds pitchers right now. They've got to figure out a way to get the ball over the plate and not walk so many batters. I mean, it's just it's terrible how many walks get issued in such key situations for the Reds. And that's when you get people blaming David Bell for taking out real quick ex, uh, ex starting pitcher who's at 96 pitches already. Jeff Hoffman, his last six starts. I want to say five against the Dodgers, but also his last, or sorry, his last six starts. Five walks, one walk, two walks, three walks, four walks, five walks. Yeah. If that doesn't tell you. But uh, back to your point, 
a guy who's been under a lot of fire. And let me tell you, I'm not I'm not on Cincinnati Reds Twitter. I stay away from those crazy people as much as possible. Good for you. I stole him in some of it. Uh, and even I, on vacation, trying to stay away from Reds fans, have seen that David Bell has been under fire recently. So if you could explain to me why David Bell has been under fire and whether or not he should be under fire. Because I know Here's, his last year, I know there were some interesting roster decisions, but he seems like a guy this year that, and we can get into it after that, that got a team that like 50% went for it and then didn't go for it, you know, by not fortifying pitching staff, whether that's rotation right. or bullpen or, you know, shortstop. Right. Yeah, that's my thing is, and just to preface this, I, I've, I've loved David Bell. I've hated David Bell. I have loved some decisions, and I've hated some decisions. I think in the past year, he has grown exponentially as a manager of the game. Um, but the thing is, you're honest with David Bell. You're not, you're not a yeah. David Bell hater. You're not no, go yeah, that's, that's what I'm trying and to say. You're not yeah. a David Bell lover where you're going to be like, well, guys, give him some time. You're yeah. honest with him, which I think is important. And I think sometimes you I know, critiqued him a lot last year and in, in previous in years when he, sports, his first you know. year. Yeah. But I mean, you got to look at, like you said, like you know, some some people want to like blame him for the shortstop position or for him putting Suarez at shortstop. It's like, what what do you want the guy to do? The former catcher is it's, it's yeah. like Suarez, right. former catcher. Blandino is basically a liability everywhere like who, who are they gonna put out there yeah and i, I think guess, and i think kyle Bell, farmer a walking injury yeah and i think uh kyle farmer's done you know fine a, a fine yeah thank you fine <laughs> thank as a you. former catcher <laughs> uh but it's just yeah i don't know what you want the guy to do i mean you have a historically terrible bullpen uh you've had very key players miss from injuries uh I just I don't know what you've you, got. And, your and former some, sometimes people are. What I'm saying about the bullpen is sometimes people are on yeah are on Twitter going losing their minds and everything about David Bell took out the starter and then the bull, the guy that came in from the bullpen gave up you know walked a guy and then gave up a hit or gave up a home run immediately or whatever and it's at a certain point it's just like that can't be David Bell's fault that he can't get a starter that can't go past five innings and that they're at 90 plus pitches already. So you need to bring him in because yep. it's only May, <laughs> June now. But And then you've only got maybe one or two consistently reliable arms. And one yeah. of them just went back on the injured list in TJ Anto. Yeah, TJ so, Anto has a 1-4-1. And it, like, like we said, looking down the, the White Sox bullpen where you see a lot of, you know, right. fours, threes, twos. You see a lot of five, six, seven, eight in that. Uh, right. The fact that the guy doesn't have talent available to him to to put in the game isn't his fault. If you want to be upset with David Bell and want him gone from this club after we've dealt with all of the stuff that I have previously mentioned and have our first winning record in the month of June since 2014, you're insane. <laughs> 
Like, and this is, this is after I read an article this week about how the previous manager has fallen out of love for baseball and just doesn't really enjoy the game anymore. If you want that back, Brian Price, be my guest. Uh, if you want to bring Jerry Naren back in here, uh, be I my guest. But I'm riding Can with David back, Bell right uh, now. Bob Boone, too? But, yeah, sure. I'll take any. Hey, I'll take any Boone in the clubhouse. <laughs> any Boone in the clubhouse. I like but, savages out there. Yeah, that's right. But uh, yeah, I think David Bell deserves more praise than criticism that he's got. He's not world's greatest manager by any means, but boy, what he's done with this club to keep them, as Nick Kral put it, heads above water, got to give it to him. So the question is, I guess, going forward, where do you go from here? You know, you look at, I mean, you have a, a former home run champ who's on his second season, you know, hitting a little bit better just because I see 170 is a lot better than like the 140 I know he was hitting in Suarez. Vado has been better since coming back from the DL, but still only hitting 228. You've got those two monsters in your in your lineup in Winker and, and Castellanos, who, you know, are both hitting above 340. You know, I know you've got Akiyama back. Akiyama might be coming too. back. Uh... Aristides is in the lineup tonight. So, you know, you have him. Where do you go? Do you have guys in the minor leagues to bring up? I know, you know, some shortstop prospects. Then also, as far as pitching, where do you go? Because right now, you know, ESPN just posted their where do people go. And they even had the Twins as kind of a, like, wait and see. They had the Reds in uh, sell now, wait for the future. And as a team that kind of, went for it ish last year and obviously you know the pandemic kind of hurt obviously the reds owners aren't the richest owners in the world but they basically sort of went for it then didn't keep any of the talent that they you know didn't keep obviously couldn't keep bauer probably but didn't keep bauer and then didn't address any of their needs you know obviously needed another starter the best thing that they did was pull a flyer on hoffman needed guys in you know the infield and it's basically call up India and hope either Farmer or Suarez could handle shortstop. So, so far, ownership hasn't really done anything. So where do they go? Do they just hope for the best? I mean, it sucks because, like, offensively, I, I, I do believe in this team that offensively they have the power to get there. And I mean, that's what you Rockies aren't exactly a, a juggernaut pitching, but did have nine runs again. like they have right. shown that they can put up run. I mean, Winkers had two, three home run games. Like they've shown yeah. that they can hit the long ball, but I, also, you know, doubles and Right. They're not like base. last year where it was, yeah, the true it outcomes. Was, they're really putting it, they're they're putting together innings now and, and you see them bat around. I've seen them bat around the order more times in a single season than I think I ever have in my life. And I mean they have, you know, they have what uh, out of their starters, they have four guys that have above a, a 345 OBP. So, you know, you, you have Barnhart, India, Winker, and Castellanos getting on, you know, every third time to two out of every five times. You right. know what I mean? Like 30 to 40% of the time and, they're getting on base. And I just hope that, like, because when you look at it, if you really want to go break down, I don't want to bring up how sad these numbers are, but if you could show the front office how many games they could be, you know, like I said, running with the Cubs and Brewers right now, if you had spent on one or two arms, That's like if I'm you had one or two arms, arms, maybe like a, 
Honestly, even, I mean, heck. Uh, or shortstop. The yeah. shortstop. I mean, a couple of the shortstops that they've had the last couple of years. That aren't great hitters, but are just. Jose Iglesias. Yeah, I was going to say Jose Iglesias, Freddie Galvis. I like, go back to, yeah. I, Freddie Jose Galvis. Jose Iglesias has been the stopgap for 12 teams. Yeah. Uh, shortstop in the past. And he consistently, years. consistently hits at the high two, 200 levels. You know, that's, that's nothing, nothing great. But he's consistent, and he's on base Guess consistently, if you're and turning, he's a good glove. If you're turning those Winker home runs from from solo shots to two runs, yeah, Castellanos from those solo. I mean, what Winker has, you know, uh, thirty six RBIs on thirteen, or uh, sorry, forty RBIs on seventeen home runs. If you could get fifty RBIs, yeah, that's four more wins, probably. Yeah, I mean, to wrap up, I. I, I like where the Reds are at, and I think the decision that you're going to see transaction-wise that's going to be interesting to watch is a trade with an outfielder because I, now that Shogo's come back, and Sho, Shogo has looked... I've been very impressed with Shogo Akiyama since he's been back. He's hitting like he was at the end of last year. He seems extremely comfortable at the plate, uh, but, you know, Tyler Naquin also there doing that you know you definitely got options to ship out there and get one of these pieces i think that's the move to watch reds fans have a lot to be excited about this week as they enjoy their first winning record in june in years hunter green top prospect got promoted from double a to triple a and you've got some easy games but then you've got big tests coming up going into the all-star break so the the final two questions that i have and the first one is is a difficult question for all Reds fans, one that they, they don't want to talk about. You have a nice sip of your beer beforehand. Oh, man. What are we talking about? Do, and, you know, uh, what Castiano says, what, an, another year or so on the contract afterwards. Winker, I believe, is in arbitration once. Who's got, you know, two more years, I think, after this. Do you try to sell out one of those, you know, all-star outfielders to try to get the top, some top prospects. No? You think you hold on to them? Nope. I think the only one, the only one that I'm a little would be concerned about is Nick Castellanos, but Nick Castellanos has proven me wrong just about everything that I've, like, had a preconceived notion about him, he has proven me wrong about. And he seems to very much care about being seems a veteran like, leader he here in Cincinnati, like I didn't think he'd pick up. Because remember, the options that he's had since he signed here, including last year, are his options. Yeah. And he has selected them so far. Um, Jesse year Winker, been, last year could have been, you know, short money. season. Yeah. Jesse Winker, uh, I just listened to him on um, the Jim Day podcast, wonderful Reds podcast for Reds fans. But you'll hear him talk about how, like, you know, he has come up through the Reds organization and to hear him talk about getting a curtain call the other day. I don't, I don't worry about him leaving or wanting to go anywhere else. Uh, the guy I forgot to mention, um, I said, Naquin, uh, you have Shogo. And then the guy who's back in the lineup tonight, Aristides Aquino. You also have Senzel. You also have Senzel. Reds fans won't like this one either, but, and I love Aristides Aquino. But I think that's your best trade piece right now. I think if he gets hot, yeah, that might be your best trade piece. My other question, my second one, and I don't think this is this one's gonna quite hit home, but I think it's just uh, 
know, kind of a thought in the back of your mind, because obviously the Indians, you know, you kind of have to understand what expectations are. I think it's having a decent year. If you find your way into the wild card, you're happy. Yeah. But if you, you know, finish solidly, you're, you're happy. Where are your expectations? Kind of that line where, like, if they finish above it, you'll be happy. If they finish below it, I mean, do they have to win the wild card? Maybe not. Is it, you know, is it 500? Is it 75? Is it just not kind of fall off? Is it, I mean, do numbers not even matter if they show some growth? You know, where where is kind of your line of, like, if you're happy with the Reds versus, like, you're kind of disappointed and, you know. You they need like to. you're kind of back in that same yeah, Reds right. that they've been in for the last 25 yes. years. Yes. They need to win. They need to win playoff games this year. I I haven't I haven't decided. You know, like that's something like you said with his roller. You realize that we're back to the old playoff format, right? Yes, I know. Okay. Um, and you talked about how much of a roller coaster season it's been. You know, like and we're keep in mind. I don't think we brought this up the entire podcast. Where we are now in the season was last year's season. Like we are, we are already. We're at, already past that. Yeah, we are past. We just we're passed it like, last week. We're, yeah, we're already like, last week was the sixty game mark. Yeah, like we have passed that. Just under one hundred baseball games left to play. Yeah, the um, the Reds have ninety nine baseball. Yeah, games for the first time in two years. So, you know, there's a lot of talk in Cincinnati about the Castellinis, and yeah, like you said going on two decades where you have, I can count the winning seasons on one hand. You know, if, if you, at a certain point, if you're not going to dump money into it, you don't even need to dump money into it. You just need a couple they more a pieces. Did last year? Or were they 500 last year? Uh, I think, yeah, we're at like I was four. not counting last year. Well, I was going to say we're at four or five either way. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, Sorry, it just gets to that point. Head. It just gets to that point, especially when you know you're in the last decade of the Bengals Paul Brown deal thing and Paul Brown Stadium deal and everything. There's so much talk in this city about if you're not going to get it done, you can say the same for FC Cincinnati too. If you're not going to get it done, if you're not willing to spend the money to build a winning product, then why do you own the product? it's just not fun for anybody. And it's not, doesn't sound like it's fun for the Castellinis. They keep talking about how it's no, just such get, a, it's probably such a drag. Cause it's, it's one of the finances are a mess. Apparently it's a, just a train wreck that they cannot get under control is what has been reported. And the other thing is, I mean, owning, I mean, it's a big investment, but owning a sports team as a lot of big time owners have shown you're under the public eye. Every time the team doesn't do well, every time the team's a couple pieces away and doesn't add, it's on your head. Yep. I it's mean, just... as someone that has, you know, shit on, whether it's the Dolans in Cleveland or especially the Ricketts <laughs> in Chicago, God damn it. But, I mean, you got to do something. You know what? Yeah. You bought the you team. You can't just sit and on your hands. No one's, no one's, you're rich. No one in the city, especially in this in a blue collar city like Cincinnati, where we kind of mentioned, you know, Cincinnati rich isn't quite other cities. Oh yeah, rich. right. No one's gonna cry poor for you. You either gotta spend or, or figure it out some other way. Because I mean, you can see it in your face. You know, as someone that's lived in Cincinnati for the majority of my life, the Reds just ha- 
I mean, the Reds just haven't gotten it done. No, and and for those people that are upset with David Bell every chance they get between every inning and every decision, I, you need to redirect that at the Castellinis. Shout out to Mo Egger for dunking that cup on that tower the other night. You keep telling them, my man. You keep telling them. Let us know. Thoughts on the Reds? What are you satisfied with? Is it a 500 season? Do they need to win a playoff game? Is it just developing some guys as we keep that 30-year rebuild going? Let us know at 30 Rack Sports, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Greg, you want to know what's brewing in Ohio? What is brewing in Ohio? Probably just a ton of good beer. Probably a ton of good beer. I was going to say, as we currently record, uh, when Robert Bradley is brewing. Three, three runs. Yeah, we, we, I mean, we said he already had more uh, RBIs than Jake Bowers. Added on to it again. Look at that. What was that? Three run homer? That was a three run bomb. Three run bomb. Look we at that. We should call him Bommy Bradley. Hey, look what happens when you call out the correct players. Uh, so, what's brewing Ohio? Uh, as we're all looking forward to Independence Day here in America is uh, coming up quickly. Oh, you know what I'm doing for 4th of July weekend? What are you doing? Seeing the tribe, baby. Seeing the tribe. There you go. Nothing more American than the uh, great uh, great pastime. Watching the tribe try. Yeah, like the 50 billionth anniversary of my dad's first tribe game. Oh, there you go. You know, back in like the 1820s yeah. or whatever when he was young. Uh, so Ohio Craft uh, Brewers Association at ohiocraftbeer.org where we get all of our brewing of it, news. Yes. yes, you've heard of such organization. Uh, They're doing a push for Independence Day called the Ohio Brew Hall. And they are encouraging everybody to drink exclusively Ohio beer during July 4th weekend. And Greg, that's not going to be a problem for you and I because, you know, we're connoisseurs of the Ohio craft Cleveland's beverage. Cleveland's in Ohio, Mike. Cleveland correct? is uh, in Ohio. Hansa so. Brewing, Market Garden. I was going to say, you better get up to Market uh, Garden Fat for me. Heads. Uh, my goodness. The, the, the only thing I'm going to be worried about is having enough room in my stomach for all the great Ohio craft brews. Yeah. I mean, stretch those livers, folks, and become familiar with the hashtag Ohio Brew Hall. And this is not like a brew hall, like a beer hall. This is like you have hauled in beer oh, like for your H-A-U-L. festivities. H A U L. Ohio. Yeah. Ohio Brew Hall. Uh, and if you use that hashtag and share pictures of your hauls, your pickups on Instagram and uh, tag the Ohio Craft Beer Association, their handle on everything, at Ohio Craft Beer, you could be entered to win some choice prizes. Uh, if you guys is have it a beer hall, it is not a beer hall. I don't think they can give you a whole entire beer hall. But if you guys have never looked uh, at the merchandise at OhioCraftBeer.org, there is some awesome stuff on Why there that you, you never can get. Told me about this before. I believe I have. You guys don't listen to my segment that I do here that I am currently speaking about. That's probably fair. But they have awesome merchandise there, and they've really expanded their merchandise department over the past couple months. So a lot of cool stuff that you could be entered to win from that, but there's more. What? Uh, They have a whole collection, uh, the Drink Beer Made Here, um, which is kind of the new Drink Ohio thing. Uh, They have limited edition Ohio Brew Hall items, uh, the shirt, 
Greg, this logo is awesome. It is an eagle riding a motorcycle in his little little motorcycle carriage. It's filled up with that. beer. He's got a hall there. He's got some Sorry, cool. I love that. Cool American goggles on. I know how to speak into mics. <laughs> uh, they've also got some hats and. The really cool thing, if you are one of those dedicated Ohio Craft Brewery visitors and you have the Ohio On Tap Passport, you can get that at ohiocraftbeer.org or on the Ohio On Tap Passport app. You can get five bonus stamps if you buy a shirt, hat, or poster of the limited merchandise from this event. So to learn more about this, guys, go to ohiocraftbeer.org, and uh, they've got all the information there and... As you guys know, there are plenty of participating breweries in the state of Ohio. I have to zoom in so far to actually see any of these. They have this map with all the breweries, and you have to oh, zoom yeah. in so far because there's so many. They're just overlapping each other. Have you? Yeah. Have you never played around on the uh, OhioCraftBeer.org map? Uh, I have several times, but it, it's just again. I just I get so excited. Yeah, it's just. So many. Hundreds, I gotta go up to Cleveland because I so usually go beer. around in Cincinnati. But the issue is, you know, I'm up in Cleveland. Like uh, one of my favorites up in one of my favorite all time breweries up in Cleveland, the Brew Kettle. Mm. We'll be enjoying them on uh, for the Brew Hall and so many, so many more. Please, please get to Market Garden for me. Bring us oh. some Market Garden back down. I would love oh, to have right, Market Garden right. on the show. Now you've now, now you've I'm, given uh, yeah. me yep. something to do. Yep, there you go. Happy to do it for you. Folks, that is what is brewing in Ohio. Make sure you're picking up some uh, Ohio Craft beer for your festivities this summer from Ohio Craft Breweries. We move on to our final segment of the show, which is just our cheers. We want to thank you so much for listening to another edition of 30 Rack Sports. Of course, our cheers... First off to Kirkin, Kirkin Spirits Company. Whoa, something different for their Citra IPA, their beer. As it's beer. Very loudly beer. there. Uh, just a solid IPA. Of, just a nice drinking beer. Just a nice drinking beer. It is very drinkable, yeah. It's, it's just very nice to drink. Like I've taken down two during this podcast. Very easy drinking myself. beer. Uh, also, shout out to uh, our workaholic that should be to my right. Zachy Poo. We Can't you, wait Zach. to see him next week. Uh, hopefully, I did you right with my with my tribe analysis. And then, of course, shout out to all the listeners of 30 Rack Sports. Thank you so much for listening. We'll, we'll get Zach back next week because we're going to be talking baseball again next week. I think we might get dive a little deeper on some uh, individual players and everything. And then, Greg, two weeks from now, we're leaving Ohio. We're going out of the state to discuss... Other things in sports for once in our lives. What? I know. It's going to be so weird. So Euro 2020? What yeah. I, you know, all these otherworldly things, you know. So we got a good couple weeks as we ride into uh, the All-Star break, the Olympics break. So uh, I'm excited for the next month of 30 Rack. So, uh, Josh, before we get out of here, who are you giving your cheers? A very illustrious Josh cheers, too. <laughs> illustrious thank you uh my personal cheer i have to give a personal cheer to one of our most dedicated listeners bobby bushy congratulations on your marriage this weekend and uh all it was a good time man 
Thank you to our. I was got there. It. Was there plenty of Ohio craft brews? There was. There uh, was some great that. Ohio craft brews that there. That was an Ohio beer haul. That, yes, there you go. Thank you for hauling that one in, Greg. Uh, and then my sports cheers. You called me a big NASCAR guy, and I'm really not that big of a NASCAR guy. You like to bet on NASCAR, I think. I, so. Yeah, I mean, and when I was a kid, you know, I, I really liked Jeff Gordon, so I became a Hendrick Motorsports fan. Um, and my cheers this week. I'm more of an IndyCar guy, sorry. My cheers this week is to Hendrick Motorsports because when you you know we talk about dynasties in sports, Greg, and you know you think of your like when you think of your ownerships, you think you know Robert Kraft. And Never every, heard of him. Yeah, uh, but 1907, 1908 Cubs, 1961, 1962 Bearcats. I mean, all of it. Yeah, those the big 2020, famous 2021, dynasties. 2022, 2023 Columbus Crew. Yes, yeah, something like that. I mean, Hendrick Motorsports, you got to think back in the day, you know, they had Jeff Gordon, uh, the Levantes, Mark Martin, uh, Mark Jimmy Martin. Jimmy Johnson. Oh, and whoa. Is Jimmy Johnson the GOAT? I, it seems like it won Jeez. how many consecutive championships? And now the Lotus car. they've changed. Now that Jimmy Johnson is retired, was the last of the old guard. They've got Alex Bowman, William Byron, defending champion Chase Elliott. And now, after this past weekend, two-time All-Star race winner Kyle Larson. And they seem to consistently be sweeping uh, races, which is like a 1-2-3. Or recently, they had a 1-2-3-4 finish where all four of their team drivers are finishing at the top. And, Greg, that's going on now like two and a half, going on three decades of total dominance from Hendrick Motorsports. So if we're going to talk about some dynasties here, I'm just saying they're a little slept on, and I'm going to cheers to them after the run they're going on. Uh, So first off, for my sports cheers, also someone that was being slept on, a guy who had a three-run bomb, Bobby Bradley, finally getting his chance, struggling a little bit early in AAA, but a guy who you knew it was there, you wanted to see it at the big league level, and you're finally seeing it. Hopefully he keeps it up for the rest of this year. Just hopefully a stalwart at first base, because one of my favorite players, Carlos Santana, gone to the Royals, so would love to see a new, he seems like a good guy, fun guy, holding on first base. I hope so, man. I mean... Just more so that we can be right about that decision. I mean, <laughs> most importantly that we're right, yes. Uh, second off, I mean, probably the easiest shoot I can give, but I will do it. Uh, this past week, uh, down in Panama City, uh, visited my uncle, hmm. uh, former respiratory doctor, Donald Svitkovich. Uh, so just want to give a shout out to uh, him and all healthcare professionals, uh, you know, especially a respiratory doctor, you know. Yep. Uh, a little bit old for it at this point, but, you know, those guys, huge during the pandemic. As things start to reopen, just want to give a big shout-out to all the healthcare professionals to help get us through this difficult time. It's been a tough year, but, man, it's been so much fun to see full crowds. Oh, and man. you just you appreciate everyone that's gotten you to this point because it's just it's so nice. Like, yeah, without the frontline workers, man, we don't get to re-enjoy. It, that's my, it's been so much fun to like watch it again Cubs for the game. first time. Yeah, the snake man the, at the Cubs game, the tower at the Reds game, the College World Series scenes. I mean, just unbelievable. Ah. And you, you appreciate everyone that had something to do with it, even if it was just, you know, you, you were masking up, especially all the healthcare professionals. I mean, obviously, we love beer. We love sports. Cup snakes. Full crowds at football games, basketball games, baseball games. 
we're all here for it. Yeah, I mean, we don't have to do that extremely long, horrible, tough hours where I'm sure you see some just awful things that these frontline workers do. We get yeah. to do these while, parts. While so. having to put on like 12 layers. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, big cheers to them. Good big cheers. cheers to them. And also, once again, cheers to your kids and the listeners. Uh, for Zach. Thanks, guys. <laughs> for Josh. Thanks, guys. I'm Greg. Thank you so much for listening to another edition of 30 Rack Sports. Peace.